Big Fluff. How many of you are there? Not enough. Dozens of witnesses all over Gotham. Description matches the suspect in the Metropolis abductions. Parademons. Okay. The demons must have caught the scent of a mother box. At the lab. They carried people away to find out what they know. So the eight may still be alive. Nine. The head of Star Labs was taken tonight. Well, okay, so another scientist. So how do we find him? There must be a nest nearby. I plotted all the sightings of Metropolis, Gotham. No discernible pattern I can see. The lines on the map don't converge. On land. These lead back to Strikers Island, between the two cities. These are air vents. They all lead down to the tunnels of Metropolis project that was abandoned in the 29. The nest could be there. Uh, is he coming with us now? Because we're not all gonna fit in your car. I have something bigger. Do you really think that... Oh, wow, they just, they really just vanished. Huh? Oh, that's rude. <laughs> everybody i'm joel murphy and i'm andy mcintyre and this is silver linings playback the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver lining and we are in part four of our journey through the snyderverse uh this time the snyderest snyderiest movie in the snyderverse <laughs> the justice league snyder cut and with us to help dissect this gargantuan piece of art is the one and only aaron fox aaron how are you doing Hi, I have watched 16 hours of Justice League in the past two days, so I'm doing great, better than ever. <laughs> I'm mad that you didn't watch the whole movie. Uh, you know, I thought you were going to do the prep work for this, but if you only got through half, that's probably enough. I mean, we're, we're probably fine. Uh, yeah, and I, I tried to recapture uh, the length of the movie in that opening, which is why you know, I really wanted to encapsulate the experience of watching all four hours. Uh, you should have just played like a, a pitch down version of the, the actual intro theme just to slow-mo it. <laughs> yes. I did see someone say that the movie would have been two hours if it was played at regular speed. Like if you just took at, a... At most. Yeah. If you cut out all the slow-mo... <clears throat> and any scene of Aquaman walking into water, it would have been a tight two hours. Yeah, and also just to be clear, this is uh, we're presenting this podcast in four three ratio to yes. preserve the, the integrity of your artistic <laughs> vision. <laughs> that that opening, oh man, that was I I feel like that was worth it. I enjoyed that opening. <laughs> like, disclaimer. <laughs> So much, uh, which, yeah, I, that's such a, I know people feel really strongly about that. I did, did either of you like, did that matter? The aspect no. ratio? Yeah. Like I'm, I did think it was annoying at first, but like af after watching for like, you know, when you get to the 17th minute of the credits, it really <laughs> starts to feel natural. <laughs> I'm not much of a video file in that sense where I like, I really care about aspect ratios and, 
you know, whatever DPI, the presentations and then whatever, uh, or how the frame rate of the movie, like that's not a huge thing with me watching movies. So I didn't care much. I do think uh, if we're going to start dunking on this movie right away, that like, I feel like it wasn't filmed in four, three, it was just broadcast in four, three. Like, I, it, I actually don't think that's true uh, because I saw someone on Twitter actually show the the Whedon one because I think it was shot in four three for IMAX. Maybe the whole thing mm. wasn't, but I think that was always the intention. Is that Snyder wanted it for IMAX? But they someone went through it and on the Whedon cut, like and because as we'll probably talk about, a lot of this is pretty similar. You can see that it actually is. They just cropped the four three, so we're actually you're not losing anything. You're actually when you watched the Joss Whedon cut, it had less of what was filmed than this did. If that makes sense, that does. Oh, so the, so this is like panned out from the Whedon cut, whereas the Whedon cut just like chopped things off. Yes, like the yeah. old pan and scan VHS versions of movies. Yeah. Okay, wait. I have to admit, uh, I didn't do the prep work of listening to your um, Justice League episode from last time. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think of of Joss Whedon's version? It perfect. Just nailed Hopeless. it. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, notes. no, notes. <laughs> no, notes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I think the overall, uh, you know, we talked a, a bit about it. Maybe we should recap a little bit of like the history of it, but essentially that it just feels like a, a movie that's sort of in conflict with itself tonally <laughs> that that it's it feels like someone took over a Zack Snyder movie and tried to make it lighter and shorter. Wait, off the top also. um, can we just say like content warning because like 80% of the production like crew not production crew but like director the people in the movie whatever these are problematic people like oh, they sung yes. out yeah like, no so. and to be clear we did talk uh, a bit about Joss Whedon and Ray Fisher <laughs> last week as well, well. And, yeah um Ezra Klein they're they're problematic like uh yeah. Amber Heard yeah. I'm not going to whatever yeah. uh Gal Gadot, like she was in the IDF. Like everyone in this movie has something that makes me think twice about them. Ben Affleck has that back tattoo. Let me tell you, when Batman <laughs> reached around his back to like rub it and he brought his shirt up a little bit, I was so ready for the back tattoo. And then it was like a pretty big disappointment. Maybe I was delirious from watching so much Justice League, but I was like, they're going to put it in and it wasn't there i also think that man in this universe just has a phoenix back (laughs) tattoo a giant back piece of a phoenix then he lies to people about and says it's fake but then several years later we find out it's real is also is that like the least problematic person involved in this movie i I, I would say so yeah (laughs) maybe momoa oh that's true yeah jk simmons yeah yeah there's some good eggs but Yeah. Just like when I'm praising people in this film or praising people acting and stuff, or, you know, we might bring up like Zack Snyder has a sucker punch. I don't know if you guys have watched that one, but that's like problematic. Uh, So for the pod, but I'm aware of the movie and I I uh, have seen it. I have seen the director's uh, commentary version. It's called a a mega cut. It's not good. Um, (laughs) But yeah, just if you're listening to this and you don't like shitty people or you don't want to hear about like, potentially violent or shitty things you could fast forward through some parts probably yes and also thank you for the disclaimer because it it is important to note that everyone is problematic but also know that when we get to jared leto i will have particular 
uh, harsh words because I particularly do not like Jared Leto. So that's fair. <laughs> oh, but the reason I I said that sorry is because when you were talking about how it's a movie in conflict with itself, like just like knowing a little bit about like Joss Whedon's perspectives and Zack Snyder's perspectives and like you know watching what they like make artistic content about, like you can pick two more different people. Yes. To make versions of this movie. Yeah, and and I guess maybe to recap, uh, you know, since Aaron, um, you haven't heard him, maybe people, other people didn't listen, um, that some of, yeah, so it was basically this movie was taken from Zack Snyder where uh, he gave it up because partially partially given up. Well, partially given up. But so the, the quickest I can recap this story is they the studio got um on you know they started to doubt the the wisdom of having given this much power to, to snyder so uh after batman versus superman came out they started second guessing this movie they had jeff johns and i forget who the other guy's name was on set every day that they were filming giving notes changing things they brought in joss whedon to start punching up the script and over time joss whedon started directing scenes and taking more and more control at which point because of um you know, a personal, personal tragedy, tragedy uh, Snyder, uh, the way that he described it in an interview I read was basically saying, I just lost the will to fight them on anything and thought it was best for me to just leave. Fair. Do you like Is Zack it? Snyder movies or films in general or no? So I, the funny thing is that spending a month talking about Zack Snyder has one, I will say, as a person, he seems absolutely lovely. Like to contrast everybody else in this movie, that like everyone speaks to really a low bar, though. Yes, yeah, but, he's like a big Ayn Rand fan. Well, yes, which yeah. I personally can't get down with, but yeah, no, he, he does seem like a very polite, nice person. Yes, I. That's a, That's what's funny to me about that. Zach genuinely Day. cares about his the collaborative process and his mm-hmm. his cast and crew. But and yeah, like, what will be awesome? Yeah, no, but that is fascinating too because like. The content that he makes is very much that where I, I like am very baffled by it. But then I actually saw something today when I was just like looking at stuff about him that he wants to make the Fountainhead, which he's wanted to for a long time, but actually said that um, you couldn't do it right now because people wouldn't react well. Yes. So it's like he can read a room. But that's what I'm saying. So it's utterly fascinating. I like. I think I'm fascinated by him at this point. Of like, you still want to make this movie, but you're a good enough person to realize that you shouldn't right now. And let me tell you, fascination is the first step to Zack Snyder fandom. Okay, because that is, that is a good place. Because uh, Aaron, you are you're a fan of like <laughs> reluctantly so. I guess. Like, <laughs> Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine once and they're like, oh, you like Zack Snyder movies? And I was like, no, I don't. And then I looked on Wikipedia and I was like, oh, yeah. I like all those movies. <laughs> um, I do. And like, and I'm sure we'll talk about more in the movie. But like, so like, I legitimately do think he has a an eye for what will be cool. So like that oh, movie yeah. Sucker Punch that I was describing, there's a scene where like, a babe punches a Nazi wearing a gas mask. And like, that is cool, objectively. Um, In this version of the movie, when Ben Affleck gets out of the um, helicopter and he's wearing like aviator glasses and he looks like, what is it? Dan Blazarian? Is that his name? Like he's some sort of like um, Instagram man, whatever. Um, Yeah, he looks fucking cool. But uh, there are obvious (laughs) 
flaws with uh, his excess. But um, and I also like that Zack Snyder really takes like every frame of painting to mm-hmm. heart and he wants you to know and he puts it in slow motion for you so you can really pay attention. Um, and I mean, that's those are pretty much in the spectacle. I'm a fan of like spectacle overall. So I feel like he executes that very well. Um, but I liked Watchmen. I know that's like controversial maybe. Uh, I thought it was a very good movie. I thought it was well cast, well acted. Direction mm, leaves a little to be desired, but like overall I thought it was really good. Um, so nobody needs to listen to next week because Aaron just yeah. killed it right there. <laughs> yeah, next week we're talking about Watchmen. We're talking but... <laughs> about Watchmen. So. Oh, yeah. No, I like what I, yeah. I look forward to, to listening to that one. But yeah, I mean, he is obviously a flawed yeah no but i think that that's the the journey for me uh having i don't know just diving into yeah the making of so i generally agree with what you said and and i think because his style is so specific and because you always know what you're getting i think that's what baffles me is like warner can't say that they didn't know what movie they were gonna get i think you got the exact movie promised every time (laughs) by snyder and if that's not your thing that's not your thing but like it feels weird to want that and then second guess wanting that you know midway through the process of making a film so but maybe that's a good direction to go as we yeah try to focus on this version uh which again is four hours long so we we gotta (laughs) we gotta get started if we're gonna keep this under Um, four hours but maybe the questions and i i think aaron maybe i texted this to you of like maybe the the ways that i've been thinking about it are is this better than the joss whedon version and is this good I have a clear answer to one of those questions. I have a clear answer I, to one of those I think, questions. I think I, can, I think I have an answer to both of those questions. <laughs> okay. I think I have a feeling we all agree on the first question, maybe. I th- I think it's better than the Joss Whedon. I cut. think it's better than the Joss Whedon one. I think they're equally bad. I think oh. this is an ill-conceived movie. And Interesting. Um, you get two versions of an ill-conceived like a flawed premise. That's now while I consider it better than the Joss Whedon cut, I agree with everything you just said there. Oh yeah. Um, Cause I did, my clear answer is that it's still not good. I did not enjoy watching it. Um, I like it's a better movie and Joss Whedon, like he has more of a sense of fun when making movies. Uh, and this is, there's just this is not fun. No, this was not fun. This was like, and I want, I want, like, it doesn't have to be as like quip a minute and lighthearted as the Marvel universe to be a good superhero movie, but it still has to be fun. Like the Dark Knight movies are super serious, but they're also a ton of fun. Like, you know, just you know, the action pieces are fun. It's they're they're fun movies, whereas this is not fun at all. Okay, I'm gonna complicate things. I didn't expect this. I think I liked this movie better than both of you. <laughs> like that's also fair, though. Yeah, like, yeah. So it's and, a complex. I'll, so I'll say this. So this is where I'm thinking about it from the perspective of I really like DC Comics. I, I've talked about that a lot. I like these characters. I like the Justice League. I don't think it's good, but I think watching this cut, which I think is too long, and I definitely have thoughts about the end. <laughs> but uh, I. 
I think it worked better. Like, I really like. Oh, definitely did. That uh, Cyborg, you know, I think the fact and again, to not dwell on how problematic people are, but I think it speaks very badly of Joss Whedon that it seems like most of what was cut out of the film was everything was Cyborg. So that's not a great look. But um, I think Cyborg story works a lot better. And I think a lot of what bugged me about the Whedon cut is better here i'm still not saying good and this is let's not let's be clear i'm not saying this is a good movie but like i know last week a lot of what andy and i were talking about was like everything just felt so rushed and so dumb and like you know the the getting the mother boxes was way too easy nobody's like talking about mother box for one oh please yeah we're good let's yeah like more than a second yeah dialogue like protect the box and he's tracking someone who has the scent of the mother box yeah that's hard to watch with a straight face oh yeah no what i i talked about that last week that when molly and i saw justice league in the theater when they came out that she was audibly laughing like every time (laughs) that uh mother and yeah the fact that wonder woman continually talks about the scent of the mother box being on people is yeah uh, I'm a little I'm a little mad that they dropped the unintentional comedy of Steppenwolf talking about mother all the time, <laughs> a la Mike Pence. Uh, that that bummed me out. That's uh, one area. If there's one area where the Whedon cut is superior, it is that area. But that being said, like it it had four hours and it did flesh out a lot of character motivations. Steppenwolf has more agency, is more interesting in it. Steppenwolf um, is so much better in this version. Steppenwolf like, is better in this version. That, like, I understood. I mean, cutting Darkseid, I think, was a big mistake because then Steppenwolf was a nonsensical just villain. And so I think really explaining all of that worked better for me. And again, like, all of Cyborg stuff worked better. Flash was pretty comparable. <laughs> like I don't think I thought Flash was better. Probably was better, like, okay. but so not... okay. Wait, Joel, your what you're saying goes to my thoughts on, on is it better? So like, um, I rooted for all the characters more in this version, so I liked that better. Like I mm-hmm. agree with you. Like it gave a lot more. But like, really, those should have been different movies. It shouldn't have been four hours. Oh. like where. I'm learning about these characters and being introduced to them and like getting their motivations and stuff like that. That should have been like two or three other movies of them fighting like earth problems or like getting to know one another, finding, seeking each other out. But I do think the Joss Whedon one. So whereas characterization is much better in this movie, I do think the Joss Whedon one, the plot was much clearer to me. So, and for folks listening, what I did was on Thursday, I watched the Snyder cut and then Joel texted me that we were going <laughs> to compare and contrast with the Joss Whedon cut. So I woke up this morning at nine in the morning and watched the Joss Whedon cut and then watched the Snyder cut again. Which Jeez. which this doesn't help uh, to say this now, but had I known you were going to do that, I would have adjusted our plans <laughs> no, no, to spare you. <laughs> I don't respect my brain. It's fine. Um, <laughs> because I don't think anyone should do that, just to be clear. That's 37 hours that you'll never get back. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, yeah, the Joss Whedon one I did. Um, it was much easier for me to follow. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with that. I think that, 
at the same time, though, like knowing why Steppenwolf was doing what he was doing made more sense in the in this one. Agree wholeheartedly. Um, I think Flash being more integral to solving the problem instead of just making sure the Russian family wasn't so afraid was better. Um, I do think walking back like that is probably one of the like because it just doesn't fit with anything else the whole just go save one person and start there like the fact that the flash is afraid to be the flash in the whedon cut is a really weird choice that doesn't work and then it's trying to play it again also to be clear the scene where a slow motion hot dog flies through the air as he saves a woman outside of the pet store uh was great that one yeah, of the, no notes there. Maybe the best addition to this cut <laughs> that we got slow motion car wreck. And then like the cut of of Flash just playing with the puppies when the store owner <laughs> like I actually did really enjoy that, that scene. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, no. I thought that Joss Whedon would be better at writing the Flash than um Zack Snyder, but I thought The Flash was much better in this one and much more annoying in the first one. Yeah. No, I would tend to... Also... It, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, please, please. I was just going to say, too, it, uh, this is uh, what I was saying before. Like, a lot of what I would have thought were, like, Joss Whedon quips are actually in this cut. Like, a lot of the... It, 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 the one that we played at the beginning with... Uh, oh, they just disappeared. I would have thought that was, like, a Whedon thing. So, a lot of even the comedy is in the Snyder version. I think the comedy the Snyder one was funnier. Yes. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, Which I think is, yeah, the, again, it's shocking. Yes. I think that the, it's because the jokes had a little more weight to them because mm-hmm. there was a, you understood the character motivation a little more. So they, instead of just being just quips for the sake of there being quips and like, there wasn't a cheap gag of like the flash landing on top of wonder woman's boobs and you know, Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I I do agree uh, with Aaron in that I think the problem that you can't solve no matter what cut of this movie you're doing is that the this has just been ill-conceived the whole time. The, everything's been rushed. They There should have been way more movies. Yeah. If all the Cyborg stuff happened in a separate movie that developed Cyborg, you know, if we actually built everything instead of... Uh, Andy, as you've been talking about the fact that we're basically just get like YouTube clips of everyone in five seconds. If only there was a comic book company that had a model for how to build an extended universe. But I can't think of one. Here's the thing, though, about the DC. I feel like I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong because I don't know that much about comics. Like I like Batman. I don't know if you know that, Joel, Um, but I do. Um, And I have read many Batman comics, but I feel like DC because it's so old timey, like because the characters are from such a a long time ago, it's hard to bring them into the future in a way that like feels authentic. I think, yes. um, like yeah. the Marvel universe, I feel like was much better positioned to have like scaffolding for like another planet and like aliens and all of these other things. And for me, it feels like happenstance when it happens in DC. Like it feels really like. Um, disparate from what i feel like most of their stories are about I, even though superman is an alien so maybe i'm totally fucking wrong who knows no no I, w- I would tend to agree with that and i i do think batman is the most um sort of adaptable because i think the concept can be distilled down to just like batman's a regular person 
who has a lot of money in tech. And you can kind of, you know, as long right. as the personality is there, I, I think that's why you get all these different versions. And I think that's why those movies tend to work better. But yeah, like Superman has been really difficult for them to figure out how to work with since the, you know, the 70s movies, really. Mm-hmm. And even half of those weren't very good. So, right. And when he's the only superhero, it works. But like it's better when there's other superheroes, like. Why wouldn't Superman just solve everything? I will say that I think this movie addressed that because that is the Justice League problem. And as bad as I thought everything else was, resurrecting Superman made so much more sense to me in the Snyder version because there was more time for them to explain it. Uh, because And I mean, Aaron, you just watched it, so maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but like um, the I, I don't remember any of the dialogue about like the idea that they were afraid to come get the mother box uh, be- when Superman was alive is in the Whedon cut. It is more clear that that is like um, the opening parts of both of these movies are so wildly different. Um, it is more clear in the Snyder cut that like uh, that's why this is happening now. Yeah. And so like that was the thing is it, it, this movie kind of played into well, Superman is the deus ex machina, so we have to resurrect him because once he shows up, it'll be over, which kind of is how the Justice League, like, it's always the flaw that they used as the strength. And then Superman showed up and beat the villains really quickly. And I think Superman worked better overall. Also, the terrible scene with Lois and uh, Martha from the Whedon scene is gone the Whedon cut is gone which i'm glad where they talk about how thirsty is that when he's like how thirsty is that when she was like uh tell me who your source is and he was like oh it's a she was that the part that you're talking about well there's two so there's like completely different scenes in the Whedon cut and the snyder cut because in the Whedon one it's like uh, yeah we're like diane lane is like clark always talked about how thirsty you are and she hungry and then, yeah, it's like all of that stuff about the source. And then in this one, it, and it turns out to be Martian Manhunter, who's a whole character who wasn't in uh, the Whedon cut. But uh, it's more about it's completely it's at her house instead of at the Daily Planet. And in this version, it's um, just trying to get Lois back. So in the Whedon cut, she's working. She doesn't seem like she took time off. Right. But in this version, she hasn't gone back to work since Clark died. Right, she can't go back to work. Yeah, I do yeah. remember what you're talking about now. Yeah. So, yeah, all of that is very different. I, I think that worked better, except the Martian Manhunter stuff is very weird in this movie. <laughs> yes. I, I think we just should probably talk about the the end. Like, after they beat Steppenwolf and that whole series of essentially post-credit scenes, even though the credits haven't rolled yet. Yeah, and maybe I think, I think we need to address that. Oh, you mean the chapter entitled Epilogue? <laughs> yes. Yes, that one. And I think it's uh maybe worth noting that so the scene that I assume that we're going to talk about uh with uh the post-apocalyptic desert scene is the only new footage that was shot for like since Zack Snyder came back. So everything else was always what Zack Snyder had filmed and intended to release. This is a new scene that never existed and was shot uh, like in this past year. And I also saw uh, that Affleck and Jared Leto were never on set together. Um, You know, 
So when I was watching this multiple times, Joe came in, Joe is my spouse, uh, and said, I wonder if all those people are in the same room together. Let's see if any of them stand next to one another. Yeah. And they, he, he was always right. No, and I think it was, I think it was, uh, Jared Leto was the one who wasn't there when everyone else was. Cause I think all of those people, you know, the, who we get, it's, uh, Ray Fisher and, um, Amber Heard, Amber Heard, and Ezra, and Ezra Miller, right? I think they're all. No, it's a different. No, it's flash. Joe Manganiello. Oh. No, I think it's the Ezra Miller flash. He's just in a different suit. But also, it seems like Ezra Miller might not have been there when everyone else was, because I'm Ezra Miller might not have been there when everyone else was, because you only see the face for like five seconds. Anyway, uh, I think we can yeah. all agree that that was a story that needed to be told. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. So. Um, well, I was going to say a silver lining is that no, none of the rest of the cast had to spend any time in a room with Jared Leto. Yeah, but someone did. So, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that's bad. It's very bad. <laughs> it was super confusing. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it felt. So my guess is this, that the reason that that is the new scene that was filmed was because maybe with this momentum, if people like this enough, they're going to make that movie. Like, it felt like they were trying to build it. You know, it's sort of like the old, uh, you build a pilot for a spinoff into your the, the backdoor pilot. Yeah. So it kind of had that energy to me of like, I'll make this movie if everybody likes it enough. But it was a completely different thing that, it, yeah, it, in a four hour movie, we don't need and. Also, Jared Leto is really bad at being the Joker, and I didn't find this version any better than his version in Suicide Squad. Yeah, it's it, and just the way that like it keeps going in and out of focus just doesn't make sense as an artistic choice. Yeah, and it's like, a it, a lot of like just people, you know, narrative, uh, just like heavy handed backstory being said between everybody. Well, the first rule of filmmaking, tell, don't show. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, obviously it's trying to, te which also I feel like this is what Snyder has always wanted and is the problem with his Superman. He wants to tell a story about evil Superman trying to kill everyone else. And I think that's what he's always tried to build towards. Because that's what he loves. He's mm -hmm. he's very Randian. So, like, yeah. oh, the man with all the power is going to do some whatever he wants. And I guess if you're Zack Snyder or whatever you want is to like cause havoc and destruction. Yeah. So, yeah. So clearly it's just teasing a different movie that's, you know, I don't know, superhero Mad Max where Superman's killing everyone. Yeah, it's. He just seems to not be able to wrap his head around the fact that someone that could do anything that they want, want to help people, which is very Randian. Yes. Um, but Joel, to your point about going in and out of focus, from watching like the Joss Whedon movie to this movie in the same day, um, I would say like this movie on the whole is so nebulous. Like visually, the story like doesn't always make that much sense because he wants to do cool stuff. So it's like it gets very difficult to follow if you're just watching it. Like which is I I did prefer Joss Whedon's like version in that capacity. Like it was much clearer like not only plot wise but also visually it was much easier to see what was going on or like the visuals supported the plot in a way that i don't think that the snyder version movie did yeah i i kind of feel like snyder in this and who knows what we would have gotten had Zack snyder finished the movie originally and 
Uh, you know, because I don't think we, obviously we would have gotten this cut and maybe we would have gotten one that may was a little bit pared down. I kind of feel like because this was such an Internet campaign and because there was such a vocal uh, group that wanted it, that a lot of this stuff is just hyper focused on making those people happy so that like there's a lot of just Batman's going to say fuck and like we're going to tease this stuff. And like like it, a lot of it feels like the, the, there's no like effort to keep everybody up to speed or to actually have storytelling that it's more like checking off boxes of things that a very particular set of fans want to see or him like it's just him. he was like this is what i want and it's like not yeah. a story it's just yeah but also and there's like, a very vocal fan base that wants to see the same thing that oh, yeah. he wants mm-hmm. yeah and i feel like that was evident too in the trailer because the line's not in the movie but it's in the trailer when joker said we live in a society which is like a whole internet meme yeah. that Snyder fans really love so it's like he at this point it's this like feedback loop where they like the things he makes and now he's making things specifically for them and yeah it's getting more insular and less accessible to people who aren't these like super release the Snyder cut fans I think that reminds me of a former president we used to have what we've had <laughs> former presidents <laughs> no not in America. Um, <laughs> I will say, I think that Ben Affleck killed it in both movies. Uh, Andy, it's, do you want to drop your bombshell? I, he he is my favorite movie Batman. Yeah. He was the bomb in Phantoms. He, he was the bomb in Phantoms. <laughs> no, I, I think we're all on the same page that Affleck is great. But uh, it's, yeah, I don't think he's the best cinematic Batman, but he I is. I would agree with Joel. Yeah. Joel, who do you think it is? Um... Yeah. Christian Bale or Michael Keaton? Those are your only options. I know that's what those were the ones I was debating between. I think um, probably Keaton, but like only because of Bale's silly voice. But I think Bale is really good at it. Um, ba- Bale is great, but it's the silly voice that yeah, I think it knocks, knocks him, him down. down. Yeah, uh, but I think and we, I think oh, I was gonna say I think Val Kilmer. And George Clooney in different directors' hands could have been very good Batman. Val Kilmer is underrated as Batman for sure. Uh, also, Adam West is great. Also, Adam West is great as Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kinda like yeah, it. Ben Affleck was acting his heart out, really trying to elevate everything. And it- well, and clearly he's he came back to film that scene. Like, Affleck likes being Batman, and I still think we should... I thought he didn't. I well, thought he was going to kill him. <laughs> But he's a phoenix, so it did kill him, and then he rose from those ashes. To no, I thought that he was like, I can't, I can never play Batman again because it will destroy me. But then he made this scene. I think he want he wants us to beg him to come back, and I. I that's yeah. all, that's in line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wants us to want him to be Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I I maintain that I would excitedly watch a Ben Affleck written, mm-hmm. directed, and starring Batman movie for sure. Like hundred percent all in. Yeah. Even if it was just directed and starring, even if someone else had the, had the script, but yeah, Yeah. but all right. Um, Oh, I did not like that. They hinted at um, a romance between him and wonder woman because I ship uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Keaton so hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, and it should be Catwoman. I mean, Wonder Woman is always like a. That's something that's like they've explored in the comics, but it always felt weird to me. Like they've dated at various points. Yeah, but it's Catwoman makes the most sense to me. Uh, yeah, and I love the stuff like Tom King is doing with Batman and Catwoman now. But that's 
beside the point. Um, I will say this. This is a random note that I just want to throw out there. I thought that the scene with Batman and Aquaman when they first meet was edited way better this time because that was something I remember specifically talking about last time where it felt really dumb last time in the Whedon version because I think Whedon is using more wide shots and like kind of showing the whole town hall, which made uh, Bruce Wayne seem dumb because he's like, I'm looking for a man, you know, who like is Aquaman. And it's like, it's not clear in that version that he knows that Momoa is Aquaman, but in this one, it's close up. So you're only really seeing the two of them. So it feels more like he's saying, I like he's talking directly to him being like, I know this is you like, let's drop the act where I did not get that from the Whedon version. So. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, should we just full on pivot to the silver linings of this movie? Can I have and if anybody else does, too, I have two really <laughs> dumb nitpick things that I do not want to let this movie get a pass on. Perfect. OK, the pregnancy test is called force majeure. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> Lois has a pregnancy test in her drawer. It's called that. And two. So Cyborg's dad is able to use alien technology, which is his thing that he studies to create a cyborg yeah xeno yes for his son to save his son's life but he uses a cassette tape tape recorder to record a message for him like well, come on that's it true yeah those those needed to be mentioned uh <laughs> we can probably just stop there because now 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 all the grievances have been aired um can i ask one question sorry no, it's not a grievance oh go, go. um yeah did either of you watch like the arrow um the flash like that on the wb or not wb whatever i i've seen a couple episodes but i have not um immersed myself in the Arrowverse. same yeah i watched like the first few seasons i think of arrow and then didn't really stick with it so i had surgery a couple years ago and um when i was recovering from it like i watched that a lot and um i was curious to know if you had watched i would have asked because they like it's all the same characters. It's like not the same story or anything like that. But it's like you have the Flash, you have uh, Superman, you have you know all these people interaction interacting. I was gonna ask because I felt that was superior to this in terms oh, of. I'm sure that I'm it, sure is. it is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have no doubt that it is. I've heard good things about those shows, and I I think yeah. it was like, I watched every episode of Smallville for some reason. Like that was my like show that I got super invested in. I just couldn't. I had a friend that really loved Arrow and and Flash, and he always told me to watch them, and I just. I don't know. Didn't. Those didn't are the best through. ones. Yeah. And Grant Gustin is a very good Flash, better than Ezra Klein, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think I, I've heard that that version is closer to the because this is a weird version of the Flash. Yeah, like, it is a weird version of the Flash. Um, but yeah, and I did see the Flashpoint thing they did where Kevin Conroy was mm, a live yes. action Batman because I sought that out and that was great, but. It does seem like they're doing a lot of the same stuff with the like the timelines and things that Snyder's playing around with. It seems like the show did as well. Yeah. All right. Silver linings. Silver linings. What are the silver linings of this movie? There are lots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's better than the Whedon version, maybe? Like we I don't think we had a it consensus. Has different on that. strengths. Yeah. In my opinion. And depending on who you are, that might make it better. Yeah. I think equally as bad. I I do want to say in my journey to like Zack Snyder more that I think a silver lining is just that this, you know, like 
he got to finish the movie and his fans got to see the movie that he wanted to finish. And I like, why not? (laughs) You know? Yeah. I think, I think that, I think it bodes as a dangerous precedent for movie making and fandoms going forward. But um, yeah, no, I think, I think the, the, the story behind like the behind the scenes story that it has a reasonably happy ending, I think is a silver lining. Uh, and one you can get without spending four hours watching the Justice League movie. <laughs> but um, no, I, I, I really, I mean, I really like that. And I extremely disliked the Joss Whedon version. And mm-hmm. I can't say I extremely disliked this one, but I can't, I'll, nor can I say that I liked it. So it's, I, I, I do think it's objectively better though. Yeah. I also think Ray Fisher got, you know, some some amount of like one, the screen time that he deserved and two, like obviously had such a horrific experience with Joss Whedon that like I think it's nice that that's probably the most positive thing to come out of this is like that, you know, we at least got to see what he was hired for and like the storyline for Cyborg, I think that is a good thing. His storyline was good. Like I yeah. liked I like I said, like I do think the characterization is a lot better in this movie and um I like was much more invested in um a positive outcome for these characters than I was in the Joss Whedon movie. Yeah. I know we're silver lining, but I just thought it looked really silly when the tiny arms popped out to help Cyborg do things. Like I just thought that looked <laughs> dumb and silly. Yeah. Um but that's that's a that's hardly a thing. Um I think the like ancillary characters are really well cast like Joe Morton. I love, I think he, he's great uh, as Silas stone, uh, even though he uses a analog tape recorder uh, <laughs> when he is, a is a, the world's foremost expert on xenobiology. Uh, Diane Lane, you know, I think all those people uh, are really great and uh, that they didn't, you know, they didn't just, they actually like really sought out getting good actors to play some of those smaller parts. I thought it was nice. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was very well cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I have one that Aaron, you might appreciate, which is that. So longtime listeners to the podcast know that I'm a fan of out of context, isolated, ridiculous lines, a la the USS Indianapolis, which gave us to remind everyone this. We motorboat the son of a bitch. So we got that. But uh, I feel like we got an all-time great uh, one of those from this movie. And somehow we haven't talked about it, but just as a general note uh, with casting, Willem Dafoe being in this movie made me super happy because I love Willem Dafoe. But also Willem Dafoe showed up and said this, which I think is great. The Snatchers have come from the dark place. They're looking for it. The mother box, our people gone, is not safe. Yeah. So we got that now. Check the box. Yeah. The snatchers have come from a dark place. The mother box is not safe. That's poetry. Yeah, that is. I mean, <laughs> I just I just have to. It's a little dusty in here. Just, <laughs> whew. Um, no. And yeah, Willem Dafoe is another example of like a really great actor that, you know, is in a small part and delivers because he's Willem Dafoe and he's delightful. I it's mm-hmm. I'm sad to see him not trying to kill Spider-Man because I feel like mm-hmm. that really is his strength. But yeah, it was it was a little weird that after he delivered that line, he's like, 
Now I'm going to get Spider-Man. <laughs> it is funny that he and J.K. Simmons are both in this movie. Yeah. I never really yeah. thought about that. Yeah. Um, Love J.K. Simmons, too. He's another that has like one the one scene, the one we listened to in the opening. Uh, and that's it. I think he got a little bit more in this because it, it's that scene, but it's also right before that when he right. when Gordon's like walking through, which I think was extended this time. I mean, everything felt extended, but we got a little bit more Gordon, maybe. Everything was so extended. I know we're in Silver Linings, and maybe I don't know if that's Silver Lining or not for some people, but like watching the two hour version of this movie and then watching the four hour version of this movie, it was very clear where things were much longer. Like a yes. lot of the Amazonian stuff went from like two to five minutes to like 30 minutes. It was uh, a very extended version. Yeah. I mean, it's legit twice as long. So. Yeah, and I think that's like a discussion of like, you know, again, not to create chaos and call for a, a new version of this movie in addition to the two that we got. But like, I, I have to imagine maybe the actual sweet spot was somewhere in between the two. Or two movies or two or three movies. Or two movies. Yeah. Yeah. I, one thing that we didn't talk about that I, I don't know, I feel like is a silver lining, but, you know, uh, maybe you both don't. But uh I liked the music better in this. I thought this this soundtrack. You like Danny Elfman. I love Danny Elfman. I just think Zack Snyder needs some sort of weird heavy metal bass heavy music to sell his visuals. Oh, I thought the weighted music was better. All right. No, like, I. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I I love Elfman and I love that he used the sort of classic themes for everybody, but I just. I don't know it, it when you like slow motion ridiculous shots like I I really needed that dun, 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 kind of like I don't know it worked for me like um in the Whedon version when um he uses everybody knows it reminded me a lot of Watchmen when he does the times era change in but it <laughs> like did not work as well it worked poorly but um it reminded me of that and then um, the scene where uh, Aquaman is diving into the water and there's that like shot of the waves um, when he's on like a jetty <clears throat> in the Snyder version. What is it? There is a king or something, whatever that song is. So slow. It takes forever. It, like I see what he's trying to do, but it does not create the kind of buildup that I think he thinks it yeah, did. That, that I, scene felt like four hours unto itself i did appreciate the unintentional vibe of that song that made me feel like it was the wicker man i liked that about it that it felt <laughs> felt like the especially with like the person they cast to sing it like there was just this weird like ethereal i fully expected it to pan out and someone like lighting a wicker man on fire well and it seems like a weird choice that he's the king of the oceans can literally be anywhere on the globe chills in scandinavia most of the time <laughs> like that seems like there I, I feel like there's other places that would be better to be but who knows but in the, in the weighted version it's what the white stripes during that part Maybe yeah it's, it's icky thump stripes. yeah i thought that gave like a lot more momentum it like really um i don't know to me it, it like mm, it was a it was a mistake, in my opinion, to try to make that scene as epic as Zack Snyder <laughs> tried to make it. So I liked uh, the how Joss Whedon did it, and I liked the music he paired it with better. I would probably agree that I liked the pop music better okay. in the Joss Whedon, but I think the actual like orchestration I liked better. The score. Yeah, the score. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I mean, it, this movie does look cool. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's, you know, I mean, that's if there, we said it's pretty much at the top. But if there's one thing that Zack Snyder is really concerned with, it's to make sure that things look cool. And it does look cool. Like it's like, like when she chops his head off. Yeah. Steppenwolf period looks like so he looks dumb looks in the first one. And he mm-hmm. looks like, yeah, looks cool in this one. And. Yeah, like even like the flash running was a little bit cooler and. You know, just it was just it look. It's a it's a cooler looking movie. That's twice as long. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you gotta let him know. Yeah, gotta let him know. <laughs> this this looks cool. Um, I so like compared the Joss Whedon version looks real uncanny valley because of mm-hmm. the color correction that they had to do. Um, so I like that this one looks like it looks more like it's supposed to. Like in the other one, it it just looks weird. It looks like a bunch of colorized pictures moving around um but this one it wasn't distracting i mean it was distractingly dark but like it wasn't yeah um, i think that that's my only thing is like i think at times snyder gets a little too monochromatic like that it's so dark that there's not contrast in the visuals but yeah i would agree overall that it it looked much better i would agree that he's not a dynamic director overall (laughs) yes yeah 100 (laughs) percent Uh, yeah. And I, I do think like his Steppenwolf looks better, but then, yeah, like everything is so like dark metal gray and metal, like everything is either black or gray. And well, like the, the parademon nest scene is, it's really hard to tell what's going on in a lot of points. Cause it's, it's a lot of gray on gray. It's like yeah. a Transformers moment. Like, yes. you know, in Transformers, they would fight and you couldn't tell what was happening. Was yeah. It? Yeah. So we don't need to do those movies now because we basically <laughs> knocked that out. So that's. I know you're saving us time and energy. Oh, you're welcome. That's what we're here <laughs> for. Efficiency. Um, I know we're in silver linings, but and I don't know if this is silver lining or not because I do. I like like relatively violent movies um, overall, but this really was very grim and dark. And like looking at the Joss Whedon movie and then looking at this, there were like parts in this movie. We're like uh, in the other version, if uh, Steppenwolf or a bad guy like um, shunted like a, a superhero to the side and, and they hit their head or something, they would just kind of fall to the ground. But in this one, there's like gore and like, I don't know, brain matter and stuff like that, like left behind. And like um, when people get shot, it's like very focused on suffering. Yeah. Um, which I don't know, may or may not be your cup of tea. I don't know if it was. I was going to say, I feel like that could be the tagline for like, like, that's the pull quote from this episode for the movie. It's very focused on suffering, says Aaron it Fox. It may or may not be your cup of tea. Yeah, I think that is honestly and like we spent this hour talking about the movie i think that nails it i also do feel like because this was just an hbo max and they weren't at all concerned with a theatrical release that they really leaned into making it what would probably be an nc-17 movie if it went up against a ratings board as presented maybe i didn't yeah there wasn't a, a rating well it's just i think because because of the violence combined with the fact that there's uh you know, multiple people, including Batman, like, you know, say fuck at various times, like throughout the movie. So I think language combined with violence, it's definitely an R if not. Oh, it's it's. For, I think it's for sure an R. I don't know if it goes, you know, there's there's no genitals. And that's usually what puts a movie to the NC-17 range. That's yeah, true. No woman was having sexual pleasure. Yeah. So. <laughs> right. That's, that's the Remember Snyder guarantee. Shot directly in the cheek. Oh. That was crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah. <sighs> I yeah. think we did it. I yeah, I, I think we did it. Um uh, Aaron, so much thank you so much for Wait, uh, can I ask a question? Yeah, of yeah. course. Would you guys ever watch it again? Probably I mean, I'm I don't want to say never, but I think bec- like I think because it's so long, I'm more likely to maybe either throw it on in the background when I'm doing something else or watch parts of it, but I don't even know what parts that would be. Yeah, I, I don't think I would sit down to like intently watch it ever again, but if I needed some white noise or something, maybe. So that's part of how I like became a fan of Zack Snyder is because I would put his movies on while I was like folding laundry. I will definitely watch this movie again while I'm folding laundry or cleaning my house or doing something else. Yeah. But yeah, I'll never like watch it again, I don't think. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'll never like bowl a popcorn intent on seeing the movie. I don't think I can't see myself doing that. Yeah, I was trying to think because I really miss going to movie theaters uh, at this point. And should the world ever return to normal? Like, I, I was asking myself that of like, because it's made for IMAX, would I want to see it in IMAX? And I'm like, I think it's too long and too much that I don't actually. <laughs> if they guaranteed an intermission, maybe? Maybe. Yeah, I would probably yeah. watch it in IMAX. Yeah. It's also possible that I would watch anything in IMAX at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. Like... I mean, yeah. But I wouldn't go. I'd go to like a matinee. I yeah. paid $13 in four hours. I also, this. I also feel like I might like go see it in IMAX and maybe just wander around that lobby for a few, you know, just take some breaks, <laughs> like just, you know, play a game of need for speed or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like, I think it's perfect for, um, yeah, for like putting on for laundry, <laughs> like in the background, I think. And that, that might sound like it's, you know, um, harsh but i i think that's a compliment to it honestly it's, everyone has laundry to do yeah yeah that's true yeah all right uh but yeah aaron thank you so much for doing this uh you. if you enjoyed aaron on this uh you can also hear them on uh hobo radio right now uh where it's the three of us and a lot more people and way more chaotic but we're ranking tv theme songs so that is also available uh also is there are there other things you would like to plug uh in light of the grimness of this movie i'd like to plug hope that (laughs) things can get better as uh we work together to make a a brighter world i like that that's what i think I would yeah. love. I, I keep thinking about because I watched Ted Lasso. I I want Ted Lasso Superman. I don't know what that means, but I want <laughs> I want Sudeikis to be put in charge of making a Superman that is not completely nihilistic. So, sure, uh, me too. <laughs> All right, but yeah. So and, yeah, no. Thanks so much for doing it, uh, Andy. Do you want to hit our our classic sign off? Yeah, not nearly enough dolphins were harmed in the making of this movie. <laughs> I don't agree with that. (laughs) Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hey guys, it's Sean. And Carter. From Potato. Salad. Marmalade. Eight. Eight. Aid. Aid. Potato Aid. salad marmalade. Another podcast here on the Peak Sloth Network. Check it out. <laughs>